It's time for episode 490 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM. Recorded Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. Clockwise for people, for tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the podcast that's just as much for lovers as it is for fighters. I am one of your fighters, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal, my dungeon buddy, because we play Dungeons and Dragons online from time to time, and uh, the co-host and lover of the show. It's Dan Morin. Hello, Dan. <laughs> I didn't realize we'd slotted ourselves into those particular places, but I'm not I'm not mad about it. That's what I'm going to say. You can't be mad when you're loving... That's right. That's true. I'm 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 here for everybody. I love you all. <laughs> uh, speaking of the people we love, joining us to my left is a producer and reporter at the Texas Standard, as well as the host of Parallel right here on Relay FM. It is the wonderful Shelley Brisbane. Hello, Shelley. Hello, Micah. Love you guys right back, but I want to be a fighter. <laughs> all right, join my team, <laughs> fighters, fighters. <laughs> And to my left, it is the maestro of shortcuts himself. It's Matthew Casanelli. Welcome back, Matthew. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me back. Am I a lover or a fighter? Maybe we'll find out. Um, while Matthew ponders uh, his his placement, I will go ahead and kick things off. You know how it works. Four, four topics, 30 minutes. I almost reversed it, but that's the special bonus episode. Um, Otter AI is a voice transcription service that has announced Otter Pilot. This is a tool that will automatically summarize meetings for you and capture slides. Uh, and that has led me to want to ask the question... Uh, give me your pitch for adding AI to something in your life. It's a lot like those adding smart tech to your life, but instead we're doing AI this time. Shelly, let's hear it. Love this question. I want it for meal planning. And what I want to do is the contents of my grocery, the contents of my grocery cart, which then become the contents of my fridge and pantry are inventoried. And then uh, a meal plan is generated for me based on my interests, my, my stated likes, recipes that I have access to because I've, you know, starred them or indicated that they're favorites. A meal plan for, for uh, whatever meals are upcoming and uh, suggestions of what I might make. And it just, uh, and, and I can loop in family members if I want to actually give them a vote which I do not, because <laughs> I'm going to cook it. So yeah, I, I basically want AI to uh, keep, con- and, and it could also help me with the actual shopping part, I suppose, and tell me what I'm running out of. But that's what the smart fridges were supposed to do. So I'm most interested in the meal planning aspect. Shelly, I just, I know you'll appreciate this, but I, my immediate thought when you said that was, and if we could also inventory the contents of your bar and suggest cocktails. <laughs> yes, Ooh, now yes we're talking. Uh, first of all, Otterpilot, A plus name. Well done, otter.ai, full marks. Uh, For me, what I want an AI for is I want sort of an AI assistant for collateral information when I'm writing books. This is a thing I have to do right now where it's like keeping track of, okay, uh, what color were those characters' eyes? Oh, what? how long ago did I say this thing happened? If I could essentially download all that information into an AI, and I think ChatGPT is actually pretty close, and then ask it questions... Or better yet, if it could just collate all the information and sort of provide a nice little like stat sheet that tells me like all these things so I can go and look them up, like generating like a wiki basically on all that information, that would be 
incredible because so often I need to go back through my own self-maintained things and I realize I forgot to write something down. Then I have to hunt through a bunch of books to find the details. Uh, and it's just frustrating. But if it could sort of on the fly as I'm writing stuff, like figure out like, oh, he mentioned eye color here. I can sort of figure that out. Or he mentioned this person's history here or was born then or whatever, like just pulling all that information out and assembling it into an easy read uh, sort of uh, document that I could have alongside to, to reference when I'm writing other stuff. I think that would be absolutely amazing. So, you know, I'm loath to take the too much of the creative work and hand it to the AI, but this is a place where I feel like I just need somebody like looking over my shoulder like, oh, yep, he wrote, he wrote, he wrote a detail here. Let's keep track of that detail. That would be so handy. Matthew, what about you? I think I'm in the exact same kind of boat with my business data for all the shortcut stuff that I do. I have a lot of information in Airtable, and I pretty much do spend a lot of my time working with that database and in understanding like here are 10 shortcuts for apple watch that work with this action i can just like make that list from that database but i've been looking into the open ai api and chat gpt stuff and you can train your own model with data and i might do it soon because i'm seriously considering it like you can upload your own data and then ask it questions and have the whole conversational interface even for things like the um, meal plan, I've been do- we did that last week. We were like, we have these ingredients and we want to make a breakfast thing. And it made a suggestion for us. So it's <laughs> it's closer than we think. And it's actually amazing. I'm, I'm super intrigued. So for me, it is uh, something that I've been promised and have yet to see manifest. And that is AI for handling uh, tasks that require phone calls. Yeah, Google said they were going to do this. And then it's kind of been a thing where you could call for like hair appointments, but then not really. And I want that on my phone. And I want it now. So that's where I wish AI was and that that very specific task that I just really hate doing. Uh, so please make that happen. Thank you all for your inspiring answers on that. Let us move to our next topic, which comes from Shelley. My husband and I are shopping for, I should say, flirting with the idea of buying an electric car because we talk about it and we're sort of at the stage of like, let's test drive the latest ones. And I'm also doing a story for Texas Standard about uh, EV infrastructure uh, for the future. And so I'm thinking a lot about electric vehicles. And I'm wondering because we, we always talk about what a great idea it is and how nice it would be to drive an electric car. So I'm wondering if you were in the market for a car right now, what is the thing that would make you least likely to choose an electric car given the current state of affairs? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think I am like I'm not currently in the car in the car market, but I will probably in the next five to ten years be replacing my car, and it will almost certainly be with an electric vehicle because that is the way everything is headed. I think the biggest thing that sort of holds me back right now is the selection, the types of different cars that are being made, or I should say, the lack of different types of cars. There's a lot of luxury sedans, and there's a lot of um, you know crossover SUVs and larger SUVs. As somebody who lives in a, an urban environment, having a small car, I often find, is very beneficial. It's easier to parallel park. It's easier to navigate down the cramped streets we have in my city. And so I'm looking for something that's a little bit on the smaller side. And I feel like, for better or worse, maybe this is an indication of the larger car market overall, um, more and more manufacturers are prioritizing those larger uh, EVs. 
And I think, you know, that has something to do with things like being able to get larger batteries with more range and stuff like that, which is, is totally valid. But I also would love to see some more options that are a little bit more mid-size um, the, the station wagon. Where is the? Where are the electric station wagons? I ask. <laughs> I'm disappointed. Um, so yeah, I think that's the biggest sort of impediment for me is I don't want like a tiny little electric car, and I don't want a gigantic electric car. I want something that's just right in the middle. The Goldilocks electric car. Matthew, what about you? I'm not totally sure with this one because I did just get a car in the last five years, so I'm not. I pretty much haven't considered it for a long time. I pretty my biggest drives are from San Francisco to Portland, and so I've got to assume I five and going up the country like has plenty of coverage. That would be my main concern. I feel like I'm actually more interested in like a micro mobility electric vehicle, like a like an electric bike, not like motorcycle, but like the rad bikes or those kind of things to kind of get around. I live in Alameda on Alameda Island in the Bay Area now, and so. I could probably get around the entire island and not even really need to get inside the car at all. So that's kind of probably the angle I would go. Mine is a subset, I think, of Dan's uh, because Dan talked about the lack of of options that are out there. And mine is price. They're so expensive, even with the different, even here in California, where you get these special deals and uh, I don't know, whatever those things are, where you like send them in and then you get money back kind of thing. Um None of it is still good enough to work with the pricing that I would be after. And that's kind of been the big hang up for me is I don't, you know, I, I think it's great. It'd be great to have one, but I'm not trying to completely go broke just to, to have it. And uh, yeah, I mean, all the rest of it, it doesn't, the, the range anxiety and all that kind of stuff, it doesn't really bother me because Everywhere I have been, I have seen, um, you know, charging options and I, yeah, I'm I'm not, I'm not worried about any of that stuff. Uh, So it just comes down to price for me. Uh, Shelly, what about you? You would think that range anxiety would be what I would want to talk about because I'm in Texas and because I've been looking into this infrastructure stuff, but it's really not. And I'm at the intersection of, of Micah and Dan, which is a fun place to be. Um, <laughs> it's, it's price and selection because we are looking at what, what is, we're probably going to end up if we buy this thing. It's probably going to be a crossover. We've never had an SUV type vehicle in our life. We don't have a need for one. There are two of us in our family, although we know how much PVC pipe and how many saws you can put in the back of a 16 year old Toyota Prius. I don't know why we know that, but we do. And uh, so so we don't really need a huge car and we don't drive, even though we live in Texas, we don't drive more than 50 or 75 miles at, you know, that's 75 miles is kind of a big deal. Going to San Antonio, kind of a big deal for us just because we ha- don't do that kind of traveling and we don't have family that we ha- we're having to get to in Dallas or Amarillo or anything. So yeah, it's just that the, you, you can, you can find in my research you know, cars that might fit, but then you find, well, okay, they're either quite expensive or they're not going to be, you're not going to be able to choose on sort of how the car feels inside and whether you like the styling or the color or whatever, you're going to have fewer uh, choices. And so if you want to decide to go electric and buy a car every 16 years, as apparently that's how we do it, uh, that kind of stuff matters to you because you're going to be living with this thing for a long time. Absolutely. Well, folks, with that, we have reached halftime. So it's time to thank our sponsor, 
who just so happens to be a little company you might not have heard of called Squarespace. Ah, Squarespace, you know it. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand, growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website. You can engage with your audience. You can sell things if you'd like, your products, your services, or the content you create. Squarespace has got you covered. With Squarespace, you can sell your products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. Uh, you can get started with a best-in-class website template and customize it to fit your needs. So all you do is browse through the category of your business to find the perfect starting place. And then from there, uh, you can kick things into high gear with customizations. And you, if you'd like, can get blogging. Lots of people blogging these days. Squarespace has powerful blogging tools to share stories, photos, videos, updates. You'll be able to categorize, share, and schedule your posts to make your content work for you. I have several websites uh, hosted through Squarespace. And that is because long ago, I uh, started a podcast. And with that, I was looking for a service that could do all the things I needed it to do. That was Squarespace. And given the complication of that, then the easier websites that I had or, you know, desires to have websites after that, I thought, well, absolutely, I'm going to Squarespace. If they made making a podcast simple, then they'll make just making a website simple. So my own personal website and portfolio is hosted there. And it's just, I, I never have to worry about it. And it's got all of the like modern tools. I remember when they added HTTPS support and, uh, Every time some new kind of technology comes out, they're always on it, making sure that it's there. So I, I like all of that together. And, uh, you know, I hear every week um, on Security Now about the different breaches with WordPress, and that stuff gets kind of scary. I'm not really have that problem over at Squarespace, so I kind of like I kind of like that too. Uh, you can head to squarespace.com/clockwise for a free trial with no credit card required, and when you're ready to launch. Just use the offer code CLOCKWISE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. That's squarespace.com slash CLOCKWISE. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code CLOCKWISE to get 10% off your first purchase. And of course, show your support for our show. Thank you, Squarespace, for your support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, we are back from the break, and that means it's time for Dan's Topic. Well, the rumor has it Apple has a 15-inch MacBook Air waiting in the wings to be imminently announced. My question is, uh, what other screen size devices should Apple consider? Basically, anywhere in its line. I mean, what do you think is missing in that lineup? Matthew, let's start with you. I'm going to just jump right into a 4 by 3 screen because I am very intrigued by those, and I want an Apple-quality one. I use an iPad Pro already that's that aspect ratio, and having that much more space on your desktop monitor would be ridiculous and amazing. And <laughs> this is just like completely, I don't know, they have screens like this now, and I'm i am super intrigued by them. I'd use a lot of screen real estate most days, and I even have a second monitor, and I'd totally still use like a, a big chunky screen on my desk. <laughs> For me, it would be an 11-inch uh, MacBook Air. I have the 13-inch MacBook Air, uh, the M2 MacBook Air, and it, wait, is, yeah, yeah, M2. Um, and it is genuinely the best uh, Mac I've ever owned. I love it. I, I think it's fantastic. It's super portable. It's super fast. The battery lasts forever. I can go like 
two weeks of shows uh, where, because I, I have one show where I use it, and I don't even have to worry about charging. It's ridiculous. The thing's amazing. And so the one thing is I noticed how much I love my iPad Air, or excuse me, my, my iPad Mini uh, and its small size. I would love to have that 11-inch MacBook back in uh, the M2, M2 style. I think that'd be fantastic. Shelly, what are your thoughts? So this is highly individualized to me because as much as I would like to have a giant screen, um, I sit very close to the monitor in order to see it well. And so I need a screen that is just right, not too big, not too small. And I uh, really like the 24-inch screen size. So yes, I could get a 24-inch iMac, but what I prefer is to have a laptop that lives in clamshell mode. So what I would like is Apple to produce a 24-inch monitor, not one as expensive as the studio display, because this is the chance I'm going to take to rant about a $1,600 monitor. <laughs> I don't care whether you like it or not. You can like it. I will never buy a $1,600 monitor. Will I pay an Apple premium? Yes. Will I pay $1,000? No. So Apple, if you can find a way to make me maybe a $500 24-inch monitor, we can talk. <laughs> I like your power of positive thinking there. Um, for me, uh, maybe this will be striking too close a nerve for the, the recently uh, departed, but a smaller phone. <laughs> I, uh, I use an iPhone 14 Pro. I've used that size basically since the iPhone 10 came out. And while I appreciate the large size of the screen, I have gotten increasingly frustrated with the, you know, the just how difficult it is for me, even with somebody with moderately large hands to reach various angles. I do that thing where I rest my phone on my pinky and I'm definitely paying for that. All that stuff. It's just not very ergonomic. And I don't know whether the answer to this is a folding display that can fold up into a smaller phone or just for Apple to, you know, maybe realize that people want a variety of phone sizes and we don't have to necessarily like fit it into one of these, you know, the big or bigger versions. Um, I know they tried the mini and the mini didn't work out. I think it's, you know, my theory is that there are a lot of people who buy the mini who don't upgrade from year to year. And I think another part of that is there were still a bunch of trade-offs with the mini. You didn't get the features the pro had. I'd like to see a pro version of the phone with the same features, but in a smaller, lighter form factor, because I just, my hands can't take it anymore. Um, it's just uh, a, a, it's a pain. It's a literal pain. <laughs> so uh, I think, I think there are a lot of things there that Apple should consider. We, you've got so many screens, Apple, cut them up into smaller little sizes, <laughs> make them to larger sizes. I don't know. Uh, thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our final topic, which comes from Matthew. Okay, with the slow rise of matter kind of rolling out as it is, and then the increase of climate data in people's homes with, I think that's what they call it, for people getting all the HomePod minis with temperature sensors and the mm -hmm. new HomePods as well. I'm curious if you all have automations that take advantage of this or just how you use your data in general. Yeah, so I'm obsessed with humidity in particular in the home. And it was I remember having an eye-opening moment when I had gone to the doctor um, and it was like the third time that I had gone to visit my home and then came back to where I lived and I got a terrible sore throat. And my doctor was like, it's not strep or anything like that. Uh, but she said, do you run a fan at night? 
And I said, why, yes, I do, Doc. And she said, well, you may be drying out your uh, sinuses overnight. And when you do that, your body produces mucus to help to kind of re-moisturize everything. And what you may not know is that mucus is slightly acidic. So essentially, you're giving yourself yourself internal like chemical burns in the parts of your body, your throat and in your sinuses, um, because it'll sit on there overnight and then it's going to lightly burn you. And that's probably what's causing your sore throat. And at that point, I became an absolute humidifier activist and uh, advocate. All of that comes together to where, yes, I use automations to make sure that the humidity in the home is a little bit above 50%. Shelly, what about you? Well, now I have something new to worry about. Wow. <laughs> uh, I guess I, I'm sort of using automation for evil if my mom is listening to this program. If she is not, it is all with good intentions. So uh, my mother has a home health aide who comes in a few times a week to give her some help around the house. And uh, the company called me at some point and said, um, you know, it's really difficult for the the worker because your mother's home is very hot. It's very warm in there because my mother will walk by the, the thermostat and just poke it when she's uncomfortable. And uh, I said, I'm sorry that's happening to you and I'll ask her about it. But my mother is a, is a little bit little bit stubborn and also forgetful. And uh, so I have an automation that when I know the caregiver is coming, I set the temperature to a reasonable number and then I relinquish control of it at the time that her shift is over. (laughs) (laughs) I know. See, evil. But yet not. Um, I I don't think I have any automation set up. I do monitor using uh, the home app, all the various sensors in my house, and I have several because I have um, a uh, Ecobee thermostat, which has a bunch of external sensors that are sort of sprinkled throughout the home. Uh, we recently installed a heat pump, and one thing that has done, <laughs> Michael will hate this, is lowered the humidity overall in the house. Very low. I noticed one day, I was like, man, I'm super dry. I was like, oh, it's the heat pump with the the electric heat, I think, just dries things out faster than our old gas furnace would. <laughs> what percentage and, is it? <laughs> I'm curious. It's like, it's in like the 30s. I oh, yeah, God. That's very low. <laughs> but that said, I also live in a place that in the summer gets extremely humid, and I am happy to have the ability to control that more. Yes, that is nice. So I haven't really used automations to do something, I think in part because... Like at times I've found it tricky to figure out exactly how to like structure that. Um, Like we did try and work on like having like additional heat in our kids room when it got very cold in the winter and like trying to figure out how to set that up. It was just, it was a little clunky still and we didn't have quite all the tools we needed for it. But I do like looking at the overall like climate situation in the house and being able to adjust things if I need to. So uh, I haven't yet gotten to the point of of moving into the automation territory, but perhaps that is the next step. Matthew, wind your wrap us up here. Yeah, I've been, I've definitely been into this for a while. I've had the Eve room and the Eve weather, which is the outdoor one. Um, that one actually, I think someone either it fell off or somebody took it from my house a oh, while ago. Yeah. So I don't have that one anymore. Um, but that's been super helpful. The Eve room, just because it has a display that shows you the data. So we look at that every day. We moved into an apartment that we found out later that sits in the sun every afternoon. And so pretty much from like 1 to 5 p.m., it gets quite warm and continues to get warm unless we do something about it. And so I'm considering a home kit ceiling fan that kind of turns on at that certain temperature. 
but then it's still like the ba- the balance of humidity. It, w- it was I was just excited to suddenly have humidity sensors in all my rooms because I was about to drop like three hundred dollars and buy more of those, and instead I kind of have them built into the home pods now, which is nice, especially for the bedroom because that's the one that when I did the podcast with Micah before, he scared me about (laughs) not having enough humidity in the bedroom. So, All right, folks. With that, uh, we have just enough time for a bonus topic. Before we get there, though, I want to tell you about a newer sponsor here on Clockwise. It's FitBod. This is typically a time as, you know, we're kicking off a new year. Many of us are thinking about changing up or maybe starting up a fitness plan, if you're me. Uh, So, you know, you may want to check out FitBod. It's an easy and affordable way to build a fitness plan that's just for you. FitBod's algorithm learns about you. So, you know, we talked about adding AI. This might be a way to add AI to your fitness routine. It learns about you, your goals, your training ability, and will then create a custom dynamic program based on your experience and any equipment you have. This is all in an app that makes it incredibly easy to learn how to perform each exercise. Personal fitness, it's not about competing with other people. You're not trying to look to others and try to do what they do because everybody's different. What you need is something that's going to work for you specifically. That's when it's going to stick and that is when you'll get those results that you may be looking for. Everyone's fitness path is different, which is why FitBod uses data to make sure that everything is customized to the way that suits you. FitBod's powerful technology understands your strength training ability, it studies your past workouts, and adapts to your available gym equipment. And your training plan will maximize fitness gains by intelligently varying intensity and volume between sessions. Overworking some muscles while underworking others can negatively impact results, so FitBod tracks muscle fatigue and recovery to design a well-balanced workout routine. The app is so simple to use, with more than 1,400 HD video tutorials shot from multiple angles to make sure that learning each exercise is a breeze. And it also integrates with your Apple Watch, with the Wear OS smartwatch, and apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health. Uh, when I think about, you know, kicking off a workout routine, I do get a little overwhelmed at the thought of how you can do this or not do that or what um, I can do with the tools that I have on hand. So knowing that the app can uh, say, okay, you've got this um, set of, of dumbbells or what have you, uh, and you are looking at strengthening, you know, your lifting ability, then this is how it can work for you. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive, but FitBot is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. You, though, as a listener, can get 25% off your membership by signing up at fitbod.me slash clockwise. So go now, get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me slash clockwise, and you'll get 25% off your membership. That's fitbod.me slash clockwise for 25% off. F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash clockwise. Thanks so much to FitBod for their support of this show and, of course, of Relay FM. All right, back from that break, and now it's time for the bonus topic. Simple question. Do you have a nickname? Shelly? Yes. Oh, I'm supposed to tell you. Oh, um, it's just, it's boring. It's just based on my name. And I, a friend of mine gave it to me. And the only other person that calls me by it is my sister. And she calls me Shelba. Shelba. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess technically Dan is a nickname. I mean, I go by it, but it's my full name is Daniel. So I 
I guess. I did have a, a bus driver on a bus trip in Scotland dub me Smoothie Dan uh, <laughs> for reasons not worth going into. And I have a writer friend who insists on calling me Boston Dan and sometimes just Boston. So <laughs> hey, there you Boston. go. <laughs> yeah, that that's exactly it. That's good. I remember I had a friend in college where I said one time to him, he was always looking for a lighter and i said what if you just always had matches on you and you were that guy who had matches and people called you matches and he's like you know that's your nickname now right and he called me matches for the next three years that's a pretty good nickname <laughs> I yeah like i was matches. like wouldn't that be it's kind of cool but then i was just like it didn't apply to me yeah i was like, gonna say it's, <laughs> it should be his nickname <laughs> it's like i don't have any i'm sorry like <laughs> yeah why did they call you matches uh, i really love regex uh <laughs> <laughs> wow, that oh, actually god. applies now. That, oh my god! I'm hanging yeah. We evolved it. I like how we got there. I do too. Oh boy. Um, the reason I ask this question is because I am ever jealous of every single person out there who has a nickname. Because I and if anyone says Mike, I will scream. Um, because what about I, the Mike? Oh god! Because I really wish that I could have a nickname, but my name is just so simple that it doesn't really lend itself to being nicknamed other than when uh, people try to say, well, you could go by Mike. No, that's not a nickname for Mike. Sorry, no. Um, okay, folks, thank you for answering that bonus question and making me forever jealous. Uh, if you'd like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you listening out there, you can become a member of Clockwise. Just go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up for $5 a month or $50 a year. And that, of course, will help support the show. Make sure that Dan and I can keep on keeping on. Uh, in this week, and maybe we can get him some more humidity in his house. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss old web browsers. With that, we have reached the end of this episode of Clockwise. All that's left is to thank our awesome guests, Shelly Brisbane. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It was delightful as always. And Matthew Matches Catsonelli, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for getting it in there. I was waiting for that. It's it's been a pleasure. And Micah Sarge, uh, as we his friends call him, uh, will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there: watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.